0: Hello, Risen Hope. It is so good to be with you. Thank you for having me here this morning. Uh, Yes, there are five, six kids, uh, four brothers, myself. I am the coolest out of all the brothers. So um, thank you for enduring my older brother, Tim, a few weeks ago. Uh, Friends, um, before we get to the preaching of God's word, I want to share with you how grateful I am for all of you. and. Uh, for how you are supporting my dad and my mom uh, throughout this difficult time. They are uh, so blessed to have you uh, praying for them, fasting for them, caring for them. Uh, But Risen Hope, I also want you to know how eager I and Redeemer Fellowship in Newark are to support you even as you walk through this difficult time. Uh, Even as my dad is now on uh, a medical leave, we know that there are going to be many ministry needs here at Risen Hope. And even though uh, Alex and Rick and Dave are doing a phenomenal job of leading and caring for you and pastoring you, uh, we just want you to know uh, that there is a church in Newark, Delaware, who is carrying you on their hearts, praying for you, and who are really eager to serve you in any way that we can. Um, we love our partnership in our denomination, Sovereign Grace Churches. Uh, and that denominational partnership should function in times like this. And so we're very eager. Uh, to serve you. And we want you to know that as you support my parents, we are here to support you as well. All right, friends, I'm here to preach God's Word to you. So if you have your Bibles, please go ahead and open them to Genesis chapter 2. We are remaining in your current sermon series. I believe that you just started Genesis. Alex, how many weeks ago was this? May, so you've been in it for a good while now, friends, uh, but you are still just beginning because Genesis is going to be a, a wonderfully powerful experience for you. At Redeemer Fellowship, we preached through the whole book of Genesis. We spent well over a year in it, just about a year and a half ago, uh, and so you have much to look forward to as a church family as you study this amazing book together. Uh, if you are not a Christian or you're newer to the Bibles, you can turn to really what is the first page of your Bible, uh, Genesis chapter 2, and today we're going to look at Genesis chapter 2 verses 1 to 3. It says, thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished His work that He had done, and He rested on the seventh day from all His work that He had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation amen may God bless the preaching of his word this morning friends what does God want from you What does God want from you? What is His calling on your life? If you are a Christian here this morning, I wonder how you would answer that question. If you are not a Christian here this morning, I wonder how you think that most Christians within the church would answer that question. What does God want from you? What does it mean to be a Christian? If you could summarize what God wants from His people, what it means to be a part of the Christian church, what would you say? Would you say that God wants you to be obedient to Him and to all of His rules? Would you say God wants you to worship Him with your life? Would you say that God wants you to work hard to bring Him glory, to fight against sin, to fight against weakness? Would, would you say that God wants you to be diligent in all areas of life? Would you say that God wants you to fight for justice in this world? What would you say? I think that most of us in this room would respond in one of the ways that I just listed. And and those are all part of what it means to be a Christian. Each of those things are certainly a part of God's design for our lives. But none of those things capture God's heart most fully for you this morning. Friends, isn't it true that we tend to have a hard view of God? Don't we tend to think that he is often disappointed or ashamed with us and that he just wants us to work harder and to perform better? But, friends, that is not a biblical view of God. God's Word tells us something very different about who our God is at His very center. God's Word tells us something very different about what God wants for His people. And so, if a coworker or a neighbor comes up to you and says, Hey, I, I know that you're a Christian. I see something different about your life. Can you tell me what it means to be a Christian? What would you say? How many of us would say that to be a Christian means that we find and enjoy deep and lasting rest in this life. How many of us would answer in that way? I think too few of us would. But my friends, that is exactly what God's Word tells us. God has designed us to find deep and satisfying rest in Him. Not to be frantic. Not to always be tired. Not to always be running. No, God wants us to rest. And so friends, if you're taking notes this morning, the main idea for our message is very simple. It is five short words. Here it is. God wants you to rest. God wants you to rest. That's it. That's God's desire for your life. And we're going to seek to prove that today through this text and throughout God's Word And we're going to do it by looking at four points, okay? Point number one, the picture of rest. Point number two is the pattern of rest. Point number three, the person of rest. And point number four, the pursuit of rest. That's where we're headed this morning. Let's begin with point number one, the picture of rest. Look at verse 2 in this text. It says, And on the seventh day, God finished His work that He had done, and He rested on the seventh day from all His work that He had done. Now, folks many of us are very familiar with these first chapters in Genesis. And we, so we know very well that after six days of speaking this world into creation, God rested. This part of the story is very familiar to us. It's not a surprise. But listen, think about reading this for the first time. Think about reading this without any prior knowledge of the Bible. If someone was to read this without any prior knowledge of the story, I think that this moment of God resting would stand out to them a bit more. Don't you think? I mean, after reading chapter 1, which you have been studying over the last month, after reading chapter 1, this should stand out to us. Chapter 1 does not paint a picture of a God that needs to rest. He just spoke the galaxies into existence with his words, without even lifting a finger. He did it with such ease and with such power. But now he's resting? Does verse 2 mean that this God that we just sang to might not be as strong as it first seemed? Does this God need to rest? Does he get tired? Well, friends, this picture of God resting in Genesis chapter 2 is supposed to stand out to us in this way. It is included right here at this point in the story for a very intentional purpose. See, we we tend to think of rest as human beings only coming after a a lengthy and hard period of time and only after we absolutely need to rest. Rest for us as people is a, a needed way to recover from work but what we see here is that rest for God is not the same as rest for us no rest for God is a state of being not a necessary practice in fact this word for rest actually just means to sit down to to sit down even to sit down upon a throne after a job is complete and so so this word rest it speaks to God intentionally thoughtfully ending and highlighting the conclusion of the creation project and then sitting back to rule over the creation that he had made. It's it's almost like, theologians agree with this, it's almost like this world was created by God as a palace and now he sits on his throne and takes pleasure over the creative work that he has accomplished. And, And notice how there is not a reference to the evening and to the morning on the seventh day like there was for the other six days. The the lack of that indicates that this day of rest, this day of pleasure, this day of ease continues even to today. God is still sitting on His throne perfectly at rest, looking with favor over the creation that He has made. But friends, it's not that God has gotten tired and needed that break. No, Isaiah chapter 40 verse 28 says, the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. Psalm 121 verse 4 says, behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. He doesn't get tired. He doesn't need a Sunday afternoon nap like I'm going to need later today. Not at all. But then why? Why does He rest here in verse 2? Here is why. Because God Himself is a picture of rest. Church, these verses are here not because God needed rest, but because He is rest. The, the, the creation of this universe and the creation of humanity in His image were not difficult for Him. They did not drain Him of energy. No, they just flowed out of the abundance of who He is. And He did not need to recharge after He was done. Listen, God taking time to rest speaks less of His need and more of His abundance. Even as he continues to sustain the world by the word of his power, as Hebrews chapter 1 says, even as he continues to sustain it, he's doing it perfectly at rest, perfectly at peace. Friends, think about what that means for his heart towards you and towards me. Isn't this picture of God resting at the very beginning of the story, isn't it so different than how many people in our world would have written this story? Right? How how many of us have a boss at work who is a workaholic and who is always the first one to work and always the last one to leave? How many of us have a boss or a manager who sends emails at all times of day and who is always talking about how hard they're working? Right, so, so often, bosses and managers work that way because they are subtly trying to communicate that there is always more work to be done and that they want their employees to just always be performing, always be producing. And when we have a boss like that, when we have a boss who, who does not rest, then the culture of the co- company that they build quickly becomes one that focuses on how much we can produce. And it becomes an anxious place to work. Are we doing enough? Are we producing enough? Are we working hard enough? But that's not what we see with God. No, He rests. And He rests at the very beginning of the story. He steps back. He sits down. Why? Because He wants to flavor the whole story of this world and the whole story of your life from the very beginning not with endless toil, not with difficult labor, not with painful work, but with rest. With a joyful celebration of who He is and what He has done and His sufficiency for His people. And so listen listen tired and condemned christian listen christian brother or sister who always feels like they are not doing enough for jesus listen christian brother or sister who has been in ministry or has led that ministry team or that fellowship group for a very long time without any refreshment for your own soul listen Listen, non-Christian who may not know Jesus in this way and who is tired and burned out from the circumstances of life. Listen, if God wanted us always to be doing more, if the focus was on what we did and how we performed, do you think that He would start the story in chapter 2 by showing how He, the boss, the manager, the main character of the story chose to rest? No, I don't think so. But that's what He did. Because He is the perfect picture of rest. And because He wants the story that He is writing with our lives to be about His people finding and enjoying that same gift of rest. He is the perfect picture of rest. And that brings us to our second point now, point number two, which is the pattern of rest. And so it should be asked, do we get this whole idea of of God's rest being central to to His heart for us, do we get this whole idea and this theology from these three verses alone? Or do we see it elsewhere in Scripture? Well, yes, we see God's heart for it here in these three verses. But no, it is not limited to these three verses. We see God's heart for us to rest in many other parts of Scripture as well. And so let's consider together the pattern and the theme of rest throughout your whole Bible. From Genesis, which we're studying, to Revelation, the book that Stevie wrote, read from earlier this morning. Let's consider the theme of rest. We have five things to point out. First, we see that the pattern for rest is set right here in chapter 2, verse 3, when it says, So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. Those two words, blessed and holy, are very important. We have not seen God bless any other day of creation up until this point. The only other thing that we have seen God bless is the people who He has made in His image, up in chapter 1, verse 28. And so this blessing here stands out. It is significant. And, and when it says that He made this day holy as well, it means that He, he set this day aside. He set it apart for a specific, special purpose. Clearly, clearly in these verses, God is wanting us to see that His rest has significance for us in this world. It's it's part of God's central design for humanity. And chapter 2, verse 3, is really just the, the beginning, just the start of a pattern and theme that we begin to see throughout the rest of our Bibles. Now, we know that the perfect rest that God had created in the Garden of Eden did not last. We know that that perfect rest was lost because of sin. We know that just a few paragraphs later, uh, sin will enter into this world and it will ruin the perfect peace and rest that God had designed for His people. Adam and Eve are cast out of the Garden of Eden. The, the Garden of Rest and Peace is now lost to humanity. But folks, the picture of rest is not forgotten. The pattern continues and God ensures that it will. Have you ever seen a good mystery movie where where you get to the end of the movie and then you're able to to figure out, oh, the clues to the end were really present all the way through the whole story. I'm just seeing it more clearly now. Well, that's what we have in our Bibles. Once we realize how central God's heart of rest is for His people, once we see it here at the beginning and at the end, we begin to see, oh, it's it's sown throughout all of God's Word, reminding us of God's heart for us. And so, second of all, we see the pattern of rest and that God begins to make His promise about rest. And so later on in your study of the book of Genesis, in Genesis chapter 12, when God calls Abraham, He describes the place and the position of blessing for Abraham and his family and it is very reminiscent of the Garden of Eden and the blessing that He had given to Adam and Eve. And then later when Joshua takes over for Moses and leads Israel into the promised land, God says to him, He says to him, the Lord your God is providing you a place of rest and He will give you this land. That's Joshua chapter 1, verse 13. The goal, the promised land was all about rest and God had promised that they would get there. Third, we see the pattern in that the opposite of bondage in God's Word is described as rest. And so as you continue through the book of Genesis and into the book of Exodus, when we hear Moses talking to Pharaoh, king of Egypt, about releasing God's people from their slavery, Pharaoh says to Moses, he says, Moses and Aaron, why do you take the people away from their work, from their labor, and you make them rest from their burdens so the opposite of slavery the opposite of endless toil the opposite of bondage both physically and spiritually is seen as rest fourth we see the pattern of rest very clearly in the tabernacle and in the temple And so when the nation of Israel is established, Moses builds the tabernacle and then later Solomon will build the temple which are places that God's presence was to reside and there are clear, very clear signs of God's heart for rest in those places. In fact, the the construction of the tabernacle was structured around seven creative acts. Very similar to the seven days of creation which you just studied. The construction of the, the temple took seven years of reference to the seven days of creation. Folks, listen, if you really want to get into the idea of rest in God's Word, do a study of the number seven. Do a biblical study of that. It's, it's everywhere. But, but the tabernacle and the temple were clearly designed by God as symbols of the original creation and the rest that was there. And they were a reminder of the time when God resided with His people in perfect peace and rest. And so examples of this. Throughout the tabernacle, there are precious stones that were known to shine like the sun and the moon and the stars and and reminding us of the cosmos created by God. On the curtains within both the tabernacle and the temple, there are images of flowers and trees and fruit. Right outside the Holy of Holies is the lampstand which was designed as a tree. Folks, listen, when, when God instructed His people to make the tabernacle and the temple in this way, He was not just being a really good interior designer, making beautiful things for the fun of it. No, all of this garden imagery is a reminder to everyone who saw the tabernacle and the temple that where God's presence resides, there is rest, there is peace for His people. It was designed to remind them of the Garden of Eden and the rest that had been lost and the hope of that rest one day being restored. And then both the tabernacle and the temple are seen as places where God's presence itself was to rest. In fact, when the people of Israel were going up to Jerusalem to worship the Lord, Psalm 132 says that they sang a song and that they said these words, The Lord has chosen Zion. He has desired it for His dwelling place. This is my resting place forever. Here I will dwell, for I have desired it. God wants to rest with His people. Fifth, the pattern of rest is seen in that rest is actually an act of obedience and even confession before God. So once God establishes the law with Moses and the, 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 the sign of the covenant that He made with Israel was for them to faithfully keep the Sabbath day. To rest once a week. To not work. To not labor. They were to pattern the rhythms of their lives after the God who rests. Resting became a very clear sign of Israel's solidarity with God. Earlier this week I was reading in the book of Nehemiah in my devotions and I saw how once Nehemiah brought the exiles of Israel back from exile in Babylon, back into Jerusalem, there was a lot of work that needed to be done. The wall needed to be built up. But the very first thing that they talk about is doing honor to the command from God to rest, to honor the Sabbath. And then as you go through the prophets, Isaiah and Jeremiah and other prophets, they are regularly calling the people of Israel back to honoring the pattern of Sabbath rest. Why? Why? Because rest, to rest is to understand God's heart for you and it is to trust Him most fully. Alex, can I get some water? Thank you. Folks, listen to this quote from R. Kent Hughes. He says, the seventh day stands apart in solitary grandeur as the crown to the six days of creation. This indicates not only, thank you so much, this indicates not only immense literary craft but deep theological significance. From the beginning of creation, the seventh day was central. Not only to creation but to the ultimate destiny of God's people. Isn't that good? Church, God wants us. God wants you to rest. He has promised it to you. He has given you reminders of that rest, and He is working now to bring it about in your lives, Which brings us to our third point. point number three: the person of rest. Do you all know who Sean Spencer is? Yes. Very good. I'm not saying that he is the person of rest, but good old Sean and Gus from the TV show Psych and their their mystery adventures. I I recently watched an episode of Psych where in the midst of, of solving a mystery, Gus finds Sean Spencer stuck on an elliptical machine working out. And I say that he is stuck there because on that elliptical machine, there's a note that says that there is a bomb and that if his heart rate goes below 150 beats per minute, that bomb is going to explode. And so there's Sean Spencer, sweat like flying off of him, just going, 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 refusing to stop because he thinks that something's going to explode only to find out that Juliet had just put that note there as a way to motivate him in his workout. There was no bomb. But folks, I feel like that is how we can be as Christians. We have this view of God towards us that if we don't sprint in every area of life, if we don't almost burn ourselves out as Christians, that God is going to blow us up. And the result of that is that the church can be filled with people who are always tired. Always discouraged. Always condemned. Tired and on the verge of burning out. But friends, what we are seeing together today is that this is not God's heart for us. This is not God's heart for us in the Old Testament like we just saw. And this is certainly not God's heart for us in the New Testament. Yes, perfect Rest had been lost. Yes, part of the curse against our sinfulness is that we would labor and toil in this world in a seemingly endless way day after day. Even as the Old Testament comes to a close, rest seems to be far away from the people of God. Jerusalem and the temple are are far from what they once were. The people of God are not in a good place. Sin seems to have ruined everything. But friends, that is not the end of the story. Amen? Then we turn the page to the New Testament. Jesus enters into the story. Jesus the very Son of God. Jesus the one who was there at creation and who sat down on His throne and rested on the seventh day from creation. The same Jesus stands up up again he stands up again and he enters into this world because he has a new work of, of creation to do a work of redemption he stands up and he enters into the world that he has made as a little baby and what is his goal as he enters this world what is his mission here on earth his goal is to restore his reign of rest in our lives in our hearts and to this world His goal is to end toil and pointless labor. His mission is to become our Sabbath rest again. Indeed, this is what Jesus himself says. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, he says, he says, come. He says, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you, say with me, church, rest. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find, say it with me, rest for your souls. This is Jesus. This is why He came. He came to give you rest. And how did King Jesus give us that rest? He gave it by working on our behalf. By living the obedient life that Adam and Eve and that you and I could never live. By being perfectly righteous and then by dying in our place. Listen, you you and I could not find rest as long as sin was on our record. Sin broke God's rule in our life. It broke relationship and it stole our rest with Him. But Jesus took the penalty of our sin for us and He was crushed under the weight of God's wrath against us. He hung bloody on that cross till there was no more air in His lungs to breathe. Why did He do that? To give us rest. Amen. And guess what? He accomplished His purposes. Mission accomplished. God's Word says that He rose from the dead. The curse of sin could not keep Him in the grave. He rose from the dead, and the Scriptures say that He is now the first fruits of a new creation order, one marked by rest. And do you know what Hebrews chapter 10 says? Hebrews chapter 10 says that He ascended back to His Father in heaven. And what did He do there? He sat down again. He sat down at the right hand of the Father. He sat down. He rested from His work. Why? Because the work of redemption, the work of your salvation was complete. Mission accomplished. Church, God wants you to rest and He so wants you to rest that He sent His only begotten Son so that whoever believes in Him, whoever is weary and tired, whoever is lost and without hope, whoever is broken by relationships, whoever is beat down by this world, whoever feels like they have been on the elliptical machine of life and are about to keel over and die, they can come and they can find peace and hope and rest for their souls. Amen. The leper on the side of the road, was begging for money day after day, year after year, Jesus speaks to him and He heals him of his disease and gives him rest. The woman with the flow of blood spent years going to doctors trying to find out what was wrong with her body, how weary she must have been. Jesus speaks and makes her well. He gives her rest from her troubles. The demoniac, tortured by a demon in his spirit, was healed and then rested peacefully. Jesus, your Jesus, loves to give rest. Listen, when we see the pattern of rest throughout Scripture as we have today, we should not go first to the practical expressions of rest. When we consider rest in God's Word, we should not first ask, okay, well, do I have a day off in my life? Do I have good rhythms of rest for my soul? That's a good question. We can get to that, but that's not the most important question. No, first of all, you should ask, is my soul at rest? Am I resting in Jesus? Am I trusting Him? Am I laying my burdens down and letting Him carry them for me? Or am I always working, always trying to improve, always trying to carry other people's burdens? He wants you to rest. And friend, if you are not a Christian, And you're here this morning, if you've never put your faith in Jesus before, and if you're tired, if you're burned out, if you're disappointed, He wants to give you rest. This is what Christianity is all about. Christians rest in Jesus. Christians find deep and lasting peace in Jesus. And that brings us to our fourth and to our final point this morning, point number four the pursuit of rest. The question could be asked, if, if we have this, this rest in Jesus, if He is our Sabbath rest, how come we don't feel more rested as God's people? If He is the rest, how, how come we're still so tired? How come we're so anxious? How come we're so worried and discouraged? But friends, if you could be given very simple, very practical guidelines that could give you a greater experience of rest, wouldn't you want to know those, those, wouldn't you want to follow those guidelines? Friends, that's exactly what God's Word does for us. God's Word, first of all, guides us towards physical rest. And so many people argue about whether the Sabbath is necessary in the new covenant Didn't Jesus fulfill the Old Testament and so aren't we free to work seven days a week? Friends, that's not what we see in Scripture. Sabbath rest may not be the sign of the new covenant like it was for the old covenant, but it should still be central to our lives. The call to Sabbath rest is is foundational to God's good design for us. It, it preceded the fall into sin. It, became, it came before the world was broken. It's part of God's eternal design for His people. And so the value of finding practical rest remains. Rest, rest is a spiritual discipline. You should think about it that way. Rest is a spiritual discipline. Just like reading God's Word and memorizing Scripture and praying and going to fellowship group, rest, physical rest, Healthy rhythms of rest, that should be a spiritual discipline that you pursue as you seek to grow in Christ over time. God's Word clearly guides us towards physical rest. But friends, God's Word also guides us towards spiritual rest. What we do with our times of rest matters. There, There is nothing wrong with Netflix. On a good night off, Ashley and I can binge watch some serious Netflix. There's nothing wrong with taking a nap. There's nothing wrong with eating food or scrolling social media for some downtime. All of those things can be refreshing. But if they are the primary way that we seek to find or express our rest, we will find again and again that those things don't deliver the rest that our souls need. And sometimes I think that's what's partly wrong with us within the church. We have patterns of rest, but what we do with the rest does not deliver the rest that we so want. But Jesus said, come to me all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He is the fountain of living water. He told the Samaritan woman that anyone drinks of that water that he offers will never thirst again. They will find rest for their souls. And so if you're going to find true rest for your soul, you need to use your times of rest to come closer to Jesus. We need to read His Word in order to remind ourselves that He is rest for our souls. We need to pray in order to ask Him to help us to rest in Him more. We need to fellowship with others in order to have a foretaste of the ultimate rest of heaven and the community of heaven. We need to rest from technology. We do. We need to turn off our phones and take a walk in God's beautiful creation to remind ourselves of how He designed this world to be a place of rest for our weary souls. We, don't, we need to not have our kids in a billion different activities. and We need to train them to, to find rest and healthy rhythms for their lives. We, we need to go to church. We need to prioritize the local gathering on a weekly basis because it's where we find our rest in Jesus again together. Through the singing, through the preaching, through the sacraments, we remember that as busy as this last week was, here we are as God's people setting our eyes on Jesus who is our Sabbath Rest, And you say, Joel, how are you going to end a message on rest by talking about these things that we need to do? Well, friends, Hebrews chapter 4 says that as Christians, we are to strive to enter God's rest. That does not mean that we need to earn God's favor. It means that once God has saved our souls from our empty striving, there are ways that we remain in that place of rest until the final day when we experience His perfect rest. And those days are everything we just talked about and more from His Word. And so, risen hope during this season of trial and suffering and pain. Let us be intentional to place ourselves and our families and our whole church family where we can remember together who the God of rest is and how he wants rest for our souls. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you that you are the God of rest. We thank You that You so want to restore our experience of rest that You sent Your only begotten Son, Jesus, who said, come to Me, you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Father, help us to come to Jesus in our brokenness. Maybe in a new way today, in a way that we never have before. Help us to come to Jesus, to confess our sin, to confess our striving, and to ask Him to be our hope, our peace, and our eternal rest. And as we do, Lord, uh, give peace to our souls. Give peace to this church family as they labor side by side, as they pray earnestly for healing, as they endure trials day by day. Give them rest in Christ Jesus. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.